0: We have a lot of people that come in and out of this study every week, and we're so thankful for so many of you guys coming and spending your Thursday nights. We know that, you know what, a lot of us come right off of work, and we're tired, and we're exhausted, and it would be really easy to just go home, jump in a shower, sit on a recliner, veg for the rest of the night. Um, But you decide to spend your time here with us in the Word of God, and uh, we're very thankful for that. Uh, what I would like to do is, because we do have new people that come in and out of here, and we're, we're thankful every time we get another chance to talk to someone new, uh, I would like to just back up a little bit and remind you guys, or talk to some people, some of you new believers that ha- aren't really deep, uh, haven't really gone deep into the Word of God yet, uh, we are talking about Solomon. He is the kid of David. He uh, wrote the book of uh, Ecclesiastes that we're studying tonight. Um, we we know that um, we know that in First Kings Solomon was given a choice as and God said you can you can pick whichever you want and I will honor your request and Solomon said uh, I just want to be wise enough to rule uh, for you God and and God honored that and He said hey and because of that you're going to get the riches you're going to get all this other stuff too um, I love that uh, he asked for w- wisdom you know when we're young wisdom isn't something we always ask for, is it? Uh, So, uh, But we look back on Solomon, and God said, you're not only going to be the wisest person that's ever been on the face of the earth up until this point, uh, you're going to be the wisest person that's ever walked the face of this earth. And I think that's really uh, wild to just look back and think about that, that Solomon was given that much wisdom. When we think about all the people in our day and age that we give all this credit to for being so smart and Uh, Solomon was wiser than them. And to think back on all that, that's just kind of awesome. So today we're reading a book uh, that he wrote in a time of his life where he was basking in the glory of God and everything was rosy and he loved it and he was so thankful for God and he enjoyed all the gifts God ever gave him, right? (laughs) No, no, Solomon wrote this book. Whether he was in that time at that moment or whether he was reflecting on what he did in his life and he was writing this book to teach, uh, he was looking back on the time where he blew it. And we can all relate to that, I hope. Right? We have all blown it at one time or the other. If not, we're probably lying to each other. Right? Just ask our wives. Right? So, <laughs> yeah, So we find Solomon at this time uh, where he's actually lamenting about his foolishness, about how he kind of uh, muddled everything up, how he muddled, muddied the water uh, of his own faith. He married uh, over like 600 wives and had 300 some odd concubines and all these people he allowed to have influence over his life. And even the wisest person on the face of the earth uh, didn't see that coming. He allowed himself to be separated from God. And so we read, and we're going to back up just a touch into chapter 5. At the end of that uh, verse, uh, end of chapter 5, Solomon says, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and, and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot, everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them, and to accept his lot and rejoice his toil, this is a gift of God. Solomon is saying, anybody who can take all the stuff that they have in their life and appreciate it and really enjoy it, is, that's a gift from God. And then he follows it up in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 6, and he goes, there's an evil that I've seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind, a man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, Yet God does not give him power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity and it's a grievous evil. So he not only finishes it saying how great this is and how much of a gift of God this is that he gives and he allows us to have these things and this life and be able to enjoy it. It's just not a gift that God gave me. Do you ever feel like it's just not a gift God gave you to be Able to enjoy life, like you're too busy in the pursuit of more, too busy chasing after everything, that by the time you get there, you got everything you worked for, but you enjoyed nothing along the way. I know my wife and I talk about that. I'll, I'll, quite often about how we hurried and hurried and hurried to get through this next step or this next thing that we were trying to achieve. And we got there. And as soon as we got there, we got one step to where we're supposed to be. And we're already one more step in the next direction towards the next thing. Ever been there? And you look back and you say, what happened? Just once, I would like to stop and enjoy something that I just did all that work for. This is where Solomon's at today. Or, he, or three thousand years ago today, whatever. Right. Uh, so Solomon understands now that God gives the gifts, but He also blesses us with the ability to enjoy them. Uh, sometimes we don't enjoy them because we forget to create that we're created by God with a purpose. We're created to serve God, to love God, to love each other, for uh, everyone to understand us. Being believers, for when we go to work, people don't go, don't know us differently from work uh, than they do from church. You know, recently I've really called myself into account because I have a lot of people that I can minister to at work. I'm an apprentice quarter, coordinator for ironworkers, and I have over 80 some apprentices, and they're good guys, but they are young men. Some people, in, over the last three years, I've had uh, uh, two drug overdoses and two suicides in just three and a half years since I've been in that position of my, of my guys. And I decided that I've got to be the same person that I am on Sunday every day of my life because they need, they need Jesus. And not because they're lost and I'm not, or they're warped and I'm not, but because I have opportunity to share God with them. Every day of my life has to be purposeful because God created us with purpose. God created us with purpose to have a relationship with him. And if he's giving us good gifts and we can't enjoy them, that's because we're not using our gifts to glorify him. So God gives the gifts, but he also blesses us with the ability to enjoy them. Um, And so two, two verses in the New Testament, one in Luke and one in Matthew, uh, Jesus tells a story, he tells a parable. First of all, a guy wants, to get in, uh, wants Jesus to get in the middle of his business, right? He says, Jesus, I want you to help me with my brother. He's taking all the inheritance. And Jesus, instead of saying something to him about that, he, he actually tells a parable. And he talks about a guy who had so much stuff that he didn't have enough storage for it. And so he says, I'm going to tear down all my barns and I'm going to build bigger barns. And then I'm just going to chill out. I'm going to relax. I'm going to live off the fat of land, eat, drink, be merry, have all the good stuff that I always worked for, and life is going to be good. And Jesus said to him, uh, or Jesus said, he, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is going to be demanded from you. Then who's going to get your stuff? Right? Then who's going to get your stuff? This is what Solomon's talking about too. In Matthew 6, 19, Jesus then says, uh, when he's teaching, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin don't destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Guys, we are called to have a purpose to live for God. If we're constantly working for our things or for, for more, and that is our only focus we are missing out on the true blessing that God has for us. He gives us our stuff, yes, but our stuff is supposed to be serving him like we are. And you, you look at verse 21 on Matthew 6, 19-21. It says, for where your heart is, there, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? Turn it around a second. Where your heart is, there's where your treasure is. And forgive me for not saying that. Right, but for where, your tre- for where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Right? Think about that. Where is my heart today? All I have to do is check my checkbook. Where is my treasure? Where my treasure is, that's where my heart is. Where my heart is, that's where my treasure is. So if my heart is focused on God and my heart is focused on my relationship with others and with, with Christ, that's where my treasure is going. And we're told, Because then we're storing up treasures in heaven for ourselves. We're not storing up treasures here because that can be taken away at any moment. And we know that Solomon uh, worried about that. So what are you dwelling on? Are you dwelling on the treasures of this world? Or are you dwelling on the treasures of the next one? And we know what Solomon would have said uh, during the time that he was writing about. In verses uh, 3 through 6 then. Says, if a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For it comes in vanity and goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he, even though he should live a thousand years or twice over, yet enjoy no good. Do not all go to the same place. Uh, Think about the Old Testament model for success. Think about what God said uh, he was going to give Abram. God told Abram, your descendants are going to be as many as the stars, as many as the sand. You're going to have plenty of livestock, and you're going to have long life, and you're going to have all these descendants, again with descendants, right? But God promised him a lot of descendants, right? So, God promised Abraham all this stuff. And any time you hear, even when we talk about Job, he had a lot of children. He had a lot of property and livestock and servants. And he had all this stuff. That was biblical success back at that time. People considered themselves successful if they had a lot of property, if they had a big family, and if they lived a long time. Did Solomon have that? Yeah, right? Solomon had that Was Solomon... Happy about it? True joy comes from a relationship with God. You can't fully enjoy the gifts if you don't have a proper relationship with the giver. Uh, my wife and I were talking about this lesson even just last night. And uh, she, ra- she reminded me of a story. Um, not of a story, it was real. Um, but it was a Christmas that we had with our family and it was with with our, you know, it was all at my wife's, my in-law's house, and, and my brother-in-law and his wife were, were divorced, or going through divorce at the time, so the kids were like two and four, or four and six, but the daughter, Emily, was my, my niece, she, um, she came in there. she was four years old, it was Christmas Day, and she, we were like the fourth stop that day, right, and you know, kids are wiped out on Christmas Day, they've already been through it. And she comes in, everybody's talking. We go, Where's Emily? Uh, We look over, she's completely wiped out, crashed on the couch. And so we wake up Emily and we say, Hey, come on, it's time to open up presents. She's like, I don't wanna open up presents, I wanna sleep, I'm tired. We're like, come on, come on, we get her over there, and she's, let, she's sitting on the couch with the presents in front of her, and she's going, I don't know why I have to do this. I don't know why. All I want to do is sleep, right? She's opening up all these gifts, and she's, she's totally not happy. and right, She's not being selfish, and she's not being spoiled. She was just being tired, and she was being a four-year-old, right? But don't we sometimes have that same mentality? God gives and gives and gives and gives, and it's sometimes just not enough. Uh, Don't we just pursue the next big thing? We were talking about it at our table a little bit ago. We were going over to tell each other how old we are, of course, but we were going over those big stinking tube screen TVs and how you break your back every time you try to pick one up, right? And when the first flat screen TV came out, everybody had to have it. And then they came out with the next one, and the next one, and the next one, then the 4K, then the UHD, then the this, then the that, then the this, then the that. And we're always chasing after. No sooner do you get one, then the newest model comes out, and you're outdated, right? Your we're still watching TV, and my TV doesn't look any better or worse if there's not one better sitting next to it in my house, right? But we're always chasing after the next, chasing after the next. Uh, so, we're the, But we're the same way. God blesses us with these things. Um, you look at these, uh, same thing like with uh, iPhones, right? I don't use iPhones, but I guess there's a lot of new generations out. And, and, and every time one comes out, they got another one right in the, I remember I got, uh, for work, I got a Samsung Galaxy S, I don't know, 8, whatever. And as soon as they got it, I thought it was the newest one they had. It was pretty cool. It'll, it'll last me a while. And, and i honest to goodness, it was out, it was already two generations behind within six months. I'm like, I'm so glad that I don't chase that. But when cell phones first came out, we chased that, especially some of, you, some of us older guys, right? When We went from, I, I remember when they didn't dial seven numbers, right? And some of you guys remember that too. And we chased after that. We got these cell phones, and they went from this to that to, to flip phones, to technology, and people were chasing it. And nobody was ever content with what they had. They always had to have the newest Newest model. And this is Solomon. Always has to have the newest model. I think for myself, um, I think God blessed me by starting me out poor because then I never, I never knew what I was missing. And when I started getting stuff, well, hey, this is cool. I remember when I was probably eight or 10 years old, I was sitting in line at the fire station with my mom because they were giving out free cheese and free milk once a month. Uh, dried milk or powdered milk, whatever that is. Um, And so I couldn't wait to get that block of cheese home, about that big, solid, probably bind you up for a week. Uh, But I couldn't wait to get that cheese home and put it on those two pieces of bread and throw it in the microwave because I was going to get a big grilled cheese. And mom always tried to push off that powdered milk too. She'd put it in a big pitcher and stir it up so that you wouldn't think it wasn't. But you're like, mom, it didn't even come in a jug. And she's like, you guys need to drink this. And we... We said, we said, no, my brother and sister and I, we fought her tooth and nail until we finally won, and she said, I'll never serve that, I'll never put that in that pitcher again. You guys have nothing to worry about. <clears throat> and then, then about three months later, I realized that the milk jug had never changed. <laughs> she was mixing it up in the pitcher at night and filling that jug. <laughs> and we didn't complain about it because we didn't know any better, Right? Uh, Warren Wiersbe says, "Enjoyment without God is merely entertainment. Uh, it doesn't satisfy. But enjoyment with God is enrichment, and it brings true joy and satisfaction." Uh, guys, there is a joy in a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is a joy every day of your life when our perspective is on Christ. When it's not on Christ, it stinks. And what happens is, what's happening with Solomon? God gives us success, and then we forget that God gave us a success, and then we're like, yeah, I I do got this, God. Thanks, I will call you as soon as I need you. Because, excuse me, I've been given success by God, and now I'm just rolling. I got it, I'm on autopilot. I'll talk to you later. When it gets real bad, I'll look you up. I know the number. And I'll just start having a communication with you, God. Uh, But right now, man, I seem to be doing all right. So there's other people. They probably need you more than I do. So go ahead and handle that. Right? And that's so messed up. We're so messed up when it comes to that. God gives us his success. God gave Solomon all the success in the world. He decided he was going to pursue everything under the sun and test it all out for himself. We don't have to test it all out for ourselves. It's messed up out there. But I'm sure if I asked us to raise hands, we'd all probably raise our hands about something stupid that we've done in our lives, testing it out for ourselves. Uh, Verses 7 through 9. All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. Point number three. Wealth and the pursuit of it cannot satisfy the soul. We've been created for a purpose. A kingdom building purpose. God has asked us has told us that he desires a relationship with us. God wants us to be involved with building his kingdom. And sometimes we just get so sidetracked by what's going on with this world uh, that we forget, that I forget, that I'm supposed to be here advancing his cause. And if I got 80 some people that I get to communicate with over the course of a month and they rotate back through and they don't know that I'm a believer, I am doing something wrong. And if my character isn't consistent outside of this building with what it is inside of this building, then I'm ashamed to invite them to church with me because I don't want them to say something that might get me in trouble with a brother or my wife. Well, Sean might have slipped up at work and said something he shouldn't have said or whatever. I have to be consistent. And and the people at work will tell you that I'm consistent because they hate it because there's no gray area. And I, and I like black and white there. Yeah, there's gray area, but I'm pretty much, if I say one thing for one person, it's the same for everyone. We have to be consistent in our character. <clears throat> um, and wealth can't satisfy our soul, right? Wealth can, And the pursuit of it can't satisfy our soul. So we need to be consistent. We need to pursue God Um. So I need you to stick with me here for a second. In 1 Corinthians 6, 13, it says, food for the stomach and stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And if you read the rest of that passage, you know that it goes into some real deep sexual sin and immorality and misaligning. And all the thing is that we are built for a purpose. God has created us with purpose, and our purpose is to have a relationship with him, And bring other people to him. That is the purpose. To serve God. If we are doing what we're supposed to be doing. You know the stomach for the food. The food for the stomach. It's a very amicable situation. Is it not? We all get a chance to eat here. We love it. Uh, Some of us eat so much that we probably don't need to eat till lunch tomorrow. Uh, Some of us are good eaters. So we can be ready to get in tomorrow morning pretty quick. Some of us are looking at McDonald's real questionably on our way home. Right? So the thing is <clears throat> the thing is all of the toil is for man's mouth yet his appetite is not satisfied it's a good correlation right because listen we go to work every day to put food on a table and take care of our families and we eat that night and we wake up and we're hungry again and we got to do it all over and so solomon is saying is we're doing this stuff all over and over and over and there's no joy in it for him and he's saying is you need to try to find the joy Understand that what you're doing, there's a purpose, so enjoy the things you have. Whether it's the little things or it's the big things, it doesn't matter if you're grateful to God for what he's given you. For what advantage is the wise man over the fool and what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Uh, he's saying is everybody is doing the same thing and in the very end, Uh, We're all, better is the sight of the eyes of the wandering of the appetite. Uh, This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. Solomon is saying it's better to have a little and really enjoy it than it is to dream so big and never attain it. It's better to enjoy what you have than think about and wish for, look at all the people who ever won the lottery. How many people end up back to broke or overdosing on drugs? Or having some type of marital problems or struggling. Right? Enjoy the things you have. God there has given them and they're all blessing. And by the way, he says this, this also is vanity and a striving after the wind and the wandering of appetite. Uh, he's saying all these things uh, because he is living all these things. And how awesome is it? What, I mean, let's look at the humility of Solomon. Right? It's, it could be very easy to read this book and say, what an ungrateful guy, and have an attitude when you read it and go, Well, this guy's really off base, and why was he so messed up? Uh, but he is so wise, and now he's humble because he's taken a chance. People came from all over the world to see Solomon and listen to him speak. And now he's writing this book talking about how bad he blew it. And everybody knows how smart I am. I could lose face. I'd fall off the New York Times bestseller list. But no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose face because I know what I'm about to write is going to help change somebody else's life. That's why God put it there. Verses 10 and 11. <clears throat> Whatever has come to be has already been named, and it is known what man is, and that he's not able to dispute with one stronger than he. The more words, the more vanity, and what advantage is that to man? Look, okay, you really got to bear with me at this point. I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning before work, probably for a couple weeks, and I write this out. And I think, this is a sweet lesson. I got this all together, and these points are awesome. And then in one second, I ask my wife to proofread something. And she puts me, <laughs> she makes me feel real bad about that one, right? So here's my point, right? And you got to say it with an attitude, Right? It's pointless to try to have a dispute with God. You're never going to tell him a thing or two. Yeah, see, it's not as funny as I thought at 4 o'clock in my basement. But you're never going to tell God a thing or two. You're never going to tell God. You're never going to go, oh God, but you forgot this. Right? When we're trying to explain away our bad behavior or our disobedience, um, God is not going to go, boy, I didn't see that one coming. God's not going to wake up and say, I didn't expect that from Sean. God knows. And we're never going to be able to say something that's going to change his mind because he already knows our thoughts. He already knows our actions. He already knows our motivation behind what we say. Just like the little kids who start angling for something. Are we going to the store, dad? Is that the one that has the candy bars? Do you know what's right by the aisle? Do you want me to go with you? You know, yeah, we know what they're up to. They want a candy bar, right? God's not going to be surprised by our motives and go, oh, wow, yeah, sure, I didn't know that. And, and listen, our very station compared to God's should make us understand that. If we walk with God and we know God, truly know God, then we know that he remembers that we were but dust. When he created and formed us, right? So you want to know how important you are to God? You started out dust. We didn't start out flesh and bone. We started out that small. And Job is a perfect example. I love it. I love it when Job's been talk. Job has been talking for thirty-seven verses back and forth with his so supportive people, and then he he says. Uh, so in Job 38, 1 through 4, Job has finally got a chance to talk to God. So God comes on the scene. His voice comes in a whirlwind, uh, comes out of a whirlwind, and he says, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. Suit up. You've been talking like you wanted to talk to me? It's time, Right? Dress for action like a man, and I will question you, and you will make it known to me. That's not, God doesn't mean that, does he? You're not going to make anything known to him. And you will make it known to me, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's all you can do when you sit there and you talk and talk and talk like you got something not, and and it's great. God wants us to get things off our chest. But when we think we know better and we want to confront God with our lifestyle so we can justify, well why is it everybody else has? Why is, and act like a kid he just by very but just by speaking we're in our place. So many people in this world think that that God owes them an explanation for something. God owes us nothing. He gave us the breath in our lungs. Every day, every minute, every second is a blessing. Um, And, you know, like I said, I think, I think honestly, uh, just being in this world, just being born in America, dealing with, even with the politics that's going on today, we still have it so much better, so much better than 90 some percent of this world when we complain about, well, I really wanted a bigger house and I settled for this one. Oh, I wanted to get a pool, but I ended up having to get a slip and slide. Whatever, <laughs> right? Um, when we talk about the stuff that we don't have and we worry about it, we really just need to turn on like a channel and p- piped in from some of these third world countries to see how much a big a baby is that we are kind of acting like. And Solomon's sitting there and he's proven it to us And he's saying, hey, it's pointless. When words are many, in Proverbs, when words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. I know that's not what's on the screen, but that's how I memorized it a long time ago. And it doesn't even, it's hard to just read something you memorize a different way. Uh, But when words are many, sin is not absent. He's saying is, in both of these cases, you can tie up all the words you want to, but you're not going to defend yourself before God. You can sit there and say however you want. And, and you guys know if, if you've ever been in an argument with your wife, the more you try to talk your way out of it, the more knots you've actually tied up. And the more, th- listen, I, I love my wife. My wife is my best friend. We spend all our spare time together. We really, I mean, it's the, one of the best relationships. It's the best relationship I've ever had in my life. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, but she never forgets anything. Women have a great memory. And, and I'm like, I'm not supposed to. God says keep no record of wrongdoing. And she's like, I'm not keeping a record. I just remember. Like, yeah, But I forget. I immediately forget. Uh, so we're reading in here, Solomon was going through a hard time right now. Uh, it was self-induced. But if we're going to be honest, there's nobody in this room that's going through hard times or has gone through hard times in your life where you can go, I'm completely innocent of this. Right? We've all gone through hard times in our life, and maybe with that exception of sickness, um, we're not innocent. We are all contributors to our own problems. Solomon was a lead contributor to his own problem. Um, like I said, and I'm glad that he cared enough to write this book. In verse 12, for who knows what is good for a man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow. For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? Uh, So the point point number five, and I think it's written down, is uh, God has a perfect will for mankind, but he also has a perfect will for each of us individually. And so that's very important to understand because there have been times in my life when God's will was laid out in front of me And I didn't walk through that door that he had provided for me. And so what does that mean? Does that mean God's will isn't perfected because I didn't fulfill it? No, because he always has somebody fulfilling his will. Uh, But what it does mean is that I have missed out on the blessing of walking with God and being a part of something he wanted me to be a part of. I always tell a story. There was a time at work where uh, there was a guy uh, who, who... just working with him, he needed Jesus, right? He definitely needed Jesus. He was not at peace with himself. You could see by the way he talked, the way he acted, but he had something that was compelling about him, and I knew it, and I'm laying, not laying, but you know, it's a job site, so I got my one foot out the window, and the other foot's up on the dash, and I am just, it's, I get 30 minutes for lunch. 25 of those minutes, I'm sound asleep. Five of those minutes, I'm knocking a sandwich out like it was my job, and then I'm back to work, and I'm killing it. <clears throat> and this guy is walking right past my window, and God says to me, and not such an audible voice, but very loud enough for me to hear, he needs you to talk to him. And I'm like, God, I have just finished a sandwich. You know that the foot goes on the window next. <laughs> he needs you to talk to him. And do you know that I turned the radio up? Because I listened to the end of this one radio show, and at the end, of, it, right at 12:28, it would make a chime at the end of the show, It would let you know that they were going to commercial, and that would wake me up to go back to work. I had a, I had a whole plan, uh, and so the guy just keeps walking around, and I'm ignoring the voice telling me to go talk to him. And so God said, "I'll bring him to you." So it knocks on my window. Hey, can I talk? And we spent the next 20 minutes talking about the gospel. Not because of me. That day, I did not answer. And I, and I could have missed out on being used by God. But God decided that wasn't going to happen that day. But we have an opportunity every day of our lives to be effective ministers for God. Every time you're at work. If our character is consistent with the purpose that we were created for, then we can be that witness every day of our lives. And if it's not, then I, I, I pray for, for each of us who still struggles with that. When we leave this place, that, that uh, I know Craig used to say it all the time, leave the radio off and, and do some business with God on your way home tonight. One last thing. Uh, it says, for who can tell a man what will be after him under the sun? You know, we were, thinking, we were talking about this again the other night, my wife and I, and she goes, Think about, think about this. You ever thought, like, what if I could tr- go back in the past? What if we had a time machine, right? I jump in my DeLorean, I go all the way back, and I pick up Adam from right after he gets out of the garden, and I take Adam to 2020, right? And, and I introduce him to all the stuff that we, you know what I mean? I got the Bluetooth ear pieces and the google glasses and he's he's in a delorean with me he sees the hatches he's not impressed but whatever and so he gets to see all this stuff he has no idea what's going to happen after him and and he probably is going to have a coronary right because he's this, this kind of stuff would just be crazy but just to think about who can tell a man what's going to happen after him we have no idea solomon was scared to death or at least portrayed himself to be afraid of what was going to happen after him. And we all know if you, read, uh, if you read in kings first kings that Rehoboam took up after him, and his kingdom was divided immediately, because he was not as faithful as Solomon, and he had a great opportunity. He failed to listen to wise counselors. So one of the, one of the greatest gifts of his father was wisdom. And one of the greatest failures, Rehoboam, immediately. Was lack of it. And so with that in mind, our last point is God has a perfect will for mankind in each of us individually. Uh James 4, 13 through 17, it just kind of reiterates that. When we talk about, it says, Listen, uh, guys that say, Hey, listen, today or tomorrow we're gonna go to this city or that city, spend a year, carry on business, make some money. Um, that's not the way to do that, right? We have to say, it says. so he goes, why? You do not even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life but a mist that appears for a little while, then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll live and we'll do this or that. As if it's your, yeah. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. And if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, they sin." We got to keep God, God's will in our pathway all the time, right? We we are needing to pursue God first. We don't tell God what we're going to do. We tell God maybe what we'd like to do. We see how that fits his will, but we're not going to just start telling God how things are going to go. That's a sin. We need to pursue God first and let the other things happen as they come around. Understand we're to pursue God. It's okay to be prepared for the future. It's okay to worry about, not worry about. It's okay to work to support yourself and and prepare for your retirement and stuff. But if all we're doing is thinking about saving up all our nuts for that winter we call retirement, uh, and we're not thinking about living in the here and now, uh, we're missing out. We don't want to be caught up in the pursuit of more and forget about pursuing God. Uh, right now, we're going we're gonna to go into our, our tables here. I got some discussion questions for you guys. Um, I'm not going to read them. You can read them at the tables. Uh, we'll take 15 minutes. I'll give you a two-minute warning. And then we'll, we'll come back and pull it together and close it out. Something I would say is if, if you guys are sharing stuff around a table and you're lifting each other up in these conversations uh, and you don't have somebody's telephone number, uh, maybe you should get it and check up on each other over the week. You know, encourage someone who maybe is, is talking about something that they're struggling with or something that they need to improve on or, or, or just somebody who needs a phone call. Uh, a ministry is only as effective as it's the people that are there serving God together. And if we are struggling with things or we just need someone maybe to check in on us, uh, it's okay to say that. It's okay to ask for someone to come alongside me and give me support. Uh, some of the, you know, and then if you are in that spot where you're promising to give someone support and I'm saying, Hey, I'm Sean and I'm struggling with this, I really could use some accountability. Give me accountability. If I take my time and I put my heart out here at this table and I share with you something that I'm struggling with, then next week when you see me or if you got my phone number, call me and ask me how I'm doing with that. I'm asking, I'm begging for somebody to hold me accountable for something and I finally take the courage to appeal to somebody about it and I don't get a response. And it feels like then maybe I can just continue on in my failure and nobody cares and it's probably not a big deal. I was just probably thinking about nothing, right? Take time, invest into each other. Because if we invest into each other as a ministry, when we leave this place, we're strong. Because one, we're investing into each other. We're already plugged in to the main source with our purpose that God has given us for our lives. And we're carrying on his will, not ours. When we wrap our arms around each other and we serve with each other. And you can tie this lesson today down into three points, although I had plenty of points. I got three more different ones. And it's just this. Life is short. Uh, there's a song on the radio, and I don't know how long ago it was, but it says, life is an hourglass glued to a table. Right? It's not changing. It's set, and when it's out, it's out. And you may have a couple more grains in there than I have, and I, or I may have a couple more grains in there than you have, but when it's done, it's done. And we don't always have the luxury like Solomon, Solomon does to sit there and go, I really blew it. I wish I could have. It may just be over. Life is short. Live for Jesus and have a healthy fear of God. God has already given us more than he owes us. We have a relationship with him. He loves us and he wants to see us be successful for him. Hold each other accountable, guys, and then go outside of this building and represent him well. Uh, Let me close with prayer. Father, we are so thankful. We are so thankful for the purpose that you have given us, the purpose that you have put in us, Lord, to, to just serve you, to know you, to love you, to love others. Lord, in a world that is suffering, we are called to be a light. We are called to be your voice. Lord, give us that opportunity. Convict us. Use your spirit to convict us to go into this world and share with people who need to know you so desperately. Convict us of our own sins, God. Give us good men to surround ourselves with to hold us accountable. Father, help us to remember our place in reference to you. Help us to always chase after you. Fulfill our obligations, pursue the things we're supposed to pursue, Lord, but always keep you first. Every relationship in our lives, Lord, is better when we keep you first. We thank you, God, so much for this ministry. We thank you for these men that are here tonight and those that uh, were unable to get here. God, we ask that you would just be with them, keep them safe, get us all back here again next Thursday night and Sunday morning. Uh, most of all, Lord, give us opportunity to show out for you. And We thank you, God, so much. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.